millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Edge of Sports, the podcast brought to you by The Nation magazine. I'm Dave Zirin. This week we are going back to the Basketball Butterfly Effect series, because I know you love it, with Hoop Savant, Arya Shirazi. Now, Basketball Butterfly Effect, for all y'all first-time listeners, is when we look at draft decisions and game out how the NBA world as we know it would have been dramatically altered if a critical decision had gone in another direction. Just say one example, uh, the 2003 draft, we asked what the world would have been like if the Pistons had taken Carmelo Anthony with the number two pick instead of Darko Milicic. This week, we are going to look at the 2009 draft so we can discuss whether one transcendent player can actually overcome the franchise stinkability of the New York Knicks. So before I bring on Arya, just a quick reminder about the 2009 draft. I want to remind folks that the top 10 was like a point combo guard a palooza onto the basketball world. Look at this talent that came in three through seven. You have number three, James Harden. Number four pick, the person who won the rookie of the year that year, but frankly shouldn't have, Tyreek Evans. Number five pick, Ricky Rubio for the T-Wolves. And then number six, in a curious move, Johnny Flynn, a Syracuse legend also to the T-Wolves. And then at number seven, to the Golden State Warriors, Wardell Stephen Curry, the most important and consequential basketball player of the last decade. And I include LeBron in that. I mean, LeBron wins best career, but... The last decade is Steph's and Steph's alone. And then at number eight, the Knicks say, guards, who needs guards when Jordan Hill is just sitting there? So Jordan Hill, who played three years at Arizona, played just one stinking year in New York before getting traded to the Rockets. So the question we are asking is, what if the Warriors had... James Dolan worm brains and taking Jordan Hill or whoever. And Steph Curry was there for the Knicks to take. How would the NBA be different with Steph Curry as a Nick? Bring on Arya Shirazi to discuss it. Arya, 
First of all, uh, I always ask you this, the sum up, anything I added, any, anything you want to add, subtract or disagree with before we talk about what a Steph New York era could have looked like? Certainly no subtractions. Uh, no, I think we can uh, slide right into it. Uh, and I think it's worth mentioning that the number nine pick that year was, do you remember who it was? DeRozan. DeRozan, who's not going to make the Hall of Fame, but is a borderline, to me, Hall of Fame player. Uh, just the, the majesty of his career. Uh, I guess it's not great that career. majestic, but and a great career. And still very good. Yeah. Uh, and then Drew Holiday taken later in that draft as well. But the Knicks said Jordan Hill. So, okay. So Steph Curry joins a Knicks team. That's just a poo-poo platter of that guy. I just want, can I just read you the roster real quick? I'm going to check this out. Jonathan Bender was on this team. Wilson Chandler, Eddie Curry, Tony Douglas, starting point guard, who Steph would have been competing with, Chris Duhon, Danilo Gallinari, Al Harrington, Weed, uh, Eddie House, Larry Hughes, Jared Jeffries, David Lee, Tracy McGrady, Darko Milicic, speaking of which, Nate Robinson. And I didn't tell you the players that our listeners wouldn't have heard of. I'm sure you have heard of everybody, but like Sergio Rodriguez, Henry Walker. I don't know if there are a lot of fans at those. I think there are more Henry Winkler fans listening to this broadcast than Henry Walker. But so Shiraz. I hope, so. I hope there's some Winkler fans. I hope so too. So Man. Curry joins that Knicks team. What are your immediate thoughts? My immediate thoughts are, I mean, I, I think the big question here is, is Stephen Curry, as you said, you described him as a transcendent player, and he certainly is that. Uh, he has had a, a game-changing, league-changing career and is still pretty much, you know, at the top of the league in terms of production. So it's ongoing. Uh, the question really is, is Curry the kind of player who is going to turn his team into a contender regardless? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, e evidence uh, speaks strongly to him because he winds up joining a Warriors team uh, who uh, that's really going nowhere where mm -hmm. the best player on that lottery squad is someone very similar in stature to Curry Monte Ellis, uh, an undersized guard, uh, immensely offensively talented, uh, but one of the many players uh, who exists who uh, can put up big numbers, but the question begs, if this is your number one option, uh, are you a good team? And in Ellis's case, whenever he was the number one option, uh, it wasn't a good team. So, uh, and within three or four years, well, within a, three years, that team is in the playoffs. And then in his sixth year in the league, they win the first, he wins the first of his MVPs 
and they win the first of their championships in what winds up being a more than half decade run of dominating the league. Uh, five straight finals appearances, three championships, and they're favored in all five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves is really uh, gets the most flack uh, justifiably because with the Knicks, we're really uh, we're musing on what might have happened if the Warriors had duplicated Minnesota's drafting blunders and also passed on Curry. The Knicks did not have the opportunity to uh, to draft Curry. So really, Jordan Hill was drafted. Uh, over DeMar DeRozan and Drew Holiday, which of course is a mistake, but it's a different kind of different kind of situation. The Wolves not only have two opportunities to draft Curry and to not, but they draft two point guards, uh, one of whom is a European phenom who uh, who doesn't come into the league for a few years. And then when he does arrive, is very serviceable, but is not the transcendent mm-hmm. player that Ricky Rubio is initially talked about. Uh, the other Johnny Flynn, as you mentioned, a Syracuse guy, uh, very successful in at the NCAA level, uh, washes out of the league in just a few years. And that is truly the colossal gaffe taking Johnny Flynn one pick ahead of Curry. But talking about the Knicks, uh, the Knicks at that time, you would kind of run down the roster, which is a really kind of a, uh, a trip of a hodgepodge of players in various stages of their careers at that time. But the Knicks, uh, during the time of this draft, the Knicks are really searching for an identity. Uh, it's a couple of years after the Stefan Marbury era in New York ends uh, ingloriously. And Mike D'Antoni is the coach at that time, which was supposed to be uh, the Knicks' identity, really. But it, it becomes instantly apparent that D'Antoni's uh, unique system works a lot better and looks a lot better when you have Steve Nash and Sean Marion running it, as opposed to Chris Duhon and Wilson Chandler. So uh, so the Knicks uh, are really a team that uh, that is looking to gain relevance. They don't get it with Jordan Hill. The question is, of course, uh, does Curry step in and immediately make them uh, lead, uh, lead them on the beginning stages of a path to trying to compete for a championship? Yeah, there's the great question that I keep running up against when I think about this, which is Steph, to me, transcendental, generational player, but he's also, you know, by the standards of the NBA, a little guy. And when you look at the history of the league, the players, like, if no matter who had drafted Shaq, that tra- that franchise is going to be transformed in winning 50 games before you know it. Same thing with David Robinson. Well, it did happen with David Robinson. It happened with Kareem. It happened with Tim Duncan. It's a very short list. Michael Jordan is not on that list. You know, just, just because you're drafting somebody, they're just that 
freaking good that the entire franchise elevates. So it's hard to judge Curry by that in a place like Golden State, because as you said, a lot of his skills got reproduced by Monte Ellis. And there was even some, in retrospect, idiotic buzz at the time of, do we really need Curry? We have Monte Ellis. Aren't we just duplicating skill sets? Like people who just, you know, and, and very few could, but people who just could not see what Curry was, uh, could potentially bring to the table. But if Curry goes to New York, he's not going to compete with a Monte Ellis. He's going to compete with Chris Duhon, which would not have been much competition. And you mentioned about how good Nash looked running Dan Tony's offense. How would Steph Curry have looked running that offense? It's very intriguing. Imagine Curry playing seven seconds or less. Like Nash was an all-time great shooter, but he didn't shoot it that much. Like, and I sometimes think, how would Nash do in today's NBA where he would have the total green light to shoot that shot? And that's, you know, I don't think he would be at the Curry level, but you imagine then Curry coached by Dan Tony in a seven seconds or less thing. The question though, and I'll throw it back to you with this, like, are the Knicks so toxic that the weight of them would have prevented Curry from being successful at the very least in New York? Or is Curry so good that he could have put this franchise on his back and made players like Danilo and Wilson Chandler look really good? The short, cynical answer is that James Dolan's Knicks can always infect and ruin any situation. So I would never uh, eliminate it from the realm of possibility that, you know, that uh, even a Stephen Curry wouldn't be able to uh, ascend to where, to the heights that his career uh, uh, went to and should have, have, have went to uh, if, he, if he had started his career in the garden and in mm. that environment. But uh but uh moving past that uh is any alternate universe or alternate theory uh it has very very high standards to live up to because what did happen as we've been saying is that curry went to a sucky go irrelevant Warriors franchise played for three coaches in his first three years. Mm. So organizational disarray. And then winds up winning four championships and two MVPs. Mm -hmm. So again, th th that is very, very high standards to have, you know, to have to live up to in any alternate situation. Uh, with the Knicks, I mean, you have to you have to believe. I have to believe that Curry would have been an improvement on any team over Jordan Hill. So it it, it would definitely would have been a step in the right direction. Steph was good right off the bat. Mm -hmm. uh, Should have been he, Rookie of the Year. So, uh, Tariq Evans put up really really good numbers on a bad Kings team, but again. Curry's Warriors were also really bad his first rookie year. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, uh, 
Uh, Tyreek was a really good young player. It's kind of too bad. Uh, too yeah. bad that he kind of peaked in that in in that rookie year. Uh, but uh, the thing that that really comes to mind is again, you, you've been kind of running down who his running mates would have been. What winds up happening with the Knicks in Curry's third uh, second season in the middle of Curry's second season. Uh, the Knicks acquire Carmelo Anthony for some of the, you know, some of the major minutes loggers on those lottery squads, Wilson Chandler, uh, Gallinari, and Raymond Felton. So, and then Melo comes to town teaming with uh, a newly arrived Amare Stoudemire. And they get uh, for a couple of years, uh, they're a playoff squad, and then uh, they never reach uh, the Carmelo Knicks, never reach close to the heights that he or Knicks fans were anticipating, and, and something that we discussed in our first program. But uh, so again, is does Stoudemire and then Anthony join? a team that's a D'Antoni squad that has handed the keys of the offense to Curry. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Carmelo Anthony was never the number one guy on a championship contending squad. But if he's the number two guy, which pushes a still uh, somewhat explosive Amare Stoudemire to number three, then that, absolutely changes the possibilities of what that team is change the projection of what that team could be the the question is uh with curry running the show in his still but still in his first couple of years as he's learning the league uh are those moves still made and if they're not then what is the ceiling for a curry team with Gallinari, Chandler, and David Lee. Well, you just said an important name in this conversation because David Lee ended up on the Warriors and had terrific chemistry with Steph Curry before a Wally Pip situation where David Lee got hurt and they stuck in the rookie Draymond Green and, and that was kind of all she wrote. Yeah, he never got his job back. Yeah, unfortunately for all of us who've been subjected to Draymond Green. But you made you made another point that I want to highlight that's important when we when we think about is Curry mighty enough to overcome the Knicks toxicity. The Golden State Warriors were pretty toxic. And I want to tell y'all about that for a second. They went 26 and 56. Their coach and I did not remember this at all Shiraz. Their coach was Don Nelson. Don Nelson coached that 2009-2010 Warriors team. My God, what a lifer. Don Nelson. Well, well that, that is a big part of, again, the environment that Curry does wind up stepping into in 2009. Because at that point, they're a couple of years away. Again, you know, the Warriors, we've been talking about Chris Webber uh, on our last uh uh, on our last episode and his aborted one year uh, stint in Golden State 
really after that, the Warriors become the most irrelevant franchise in the league for over a decade. Mm -hmm. They go through like a Sacramento Kings-esque playoff drought where uh, they re they they cycle through coaches that are just a very uninspired squad until 2007 once Nelly has returned and they have that squad uh, that knocks off the number one seed Mavericks in a really exciting first round uh, led by Baron Davis and Stephen Jackson. Uh, and then in a really surprising move that off season, Davis doesn't ride the good vibes from that wave. He goes to the Clippers, uh, eliminating kind of the crucial component in that uh, possibly on the rise and playing a really exciting brand of Nelly ball, golden state uh, warrior squad and go and uh and the feel-good story winds up being very short-lived. It winds up being kind of confined to that playoff series. Uh, and so, as you had said, Curry steps into Nelly's last, uh, Nelly's last go-round uh, go with the Warriors. I believe at the beginning of the next year, maybe even in training camp, uh, never one to potentially leave an or his organization in the lurch. I think Nelly steps down during training camp uh, mm. the following year and kind of hands the reins to Keith Smart uh, in Curry's second year. And then Smart gets canned and Mark Jackson is brought in. And that's what really, even though it takes them a couple of years to make improvement in the win column, bringing Jackson in in Curry's third year is really what begins the path that becomes the Warriors dynasty. Mm. Uh, a, a big thing uh, that, that does happen and that wouldn't have happened in New York is even though Curry is unquestionably the dominant player in the Warriors uh, championship years and championship seasons, having the incredible good fortune of Clay Thompson in the backcourt next to him. I mean, that is just almost unfair, having those two shooters playing together, uh, which is why they're the best team in the league even be, uh, for a couple of years, even before Kevin Durant decides to, uh, to, to come aboard. But so that is a huge, again, having Thompson to play off of is just uh, a, an, an unduplicable situation, I think. And even looking at a Curry, Carmelo, Stoudemire trio, and could that have been the best team in the East, uh, especially as we're talking as mm. LeBron, while LeBron is in Miami, and then when he comes back to the Cavs, that's the really interesting thing, is that Knicks team able to, uh, to usurp LeBron's place uh, atop uh, the Eastern Conference, regardless of what team he's playing on. Uh, but... The, uh, you know, it is 
is Mello's scoring genius and scoring ability is playing off of Curry. Is that able to compensate for not having uh, Thompson to play off of as he did with the Warriors? Well, they definitely would have had to get some guard help for Curry. I mean, not as good as Thompson, certainly. But I also think about a player player like uh, Danilo Gallinari, who I always thought never quite hit what he should have hit, given his skill set. I mean, the size, that incredibly sweet shot. And it's not to say that he'd be Clay Thompson, who's you know a future Hall of Famer, but what if Danilo got to play off of Steph? I mean, imagine the space he would have gotten to shoot that shot. I mean, so tall, high release point. I mean, that that could have been... I see a little bit of magic, the thought of Steph, David Lee, Danilo, to the point... Maybe this is insane, but to the point of which it's like, what if they don't do the Carmelo trade? What if they're happy just bringing in Amari to and run with this chemistry? That would have been very interesting, too, because... You know, I always felt like, and I know this is hindsight talking, that Carmelo and the Knicks kind of were a perfect match and that they both, (laughs) I mean, endlessly disappoint. And like, it's just like, let's bring together the two most disappointing entities in the modern game and see if together they can win a championship. It's like, no, that didn't happen. There was a lot of disappointment, though. There sure was. So maybe Steph could have uh, liberated us from that situation and that ordeal, which also would have liberated Carmelo to go somewhere probably better for his career. It just goes back, (coughs) excuse me, it just goes back to that question. Is Steph that good that, you know, teaming up with Danilo and Tony Douglas and Wilson Chandler makes the Knicks say, you know what? We don't need Carmelo Anthony. We actually think we have something really, really special here. Uh, Because it was apparent. Like, I looked up the numbers real quick. Um, Yeah, Tyreek Evans went 25-5 and his rookie year. And I remember it was a huge deal because he just got over 20 points per game. And he he joined just LeBron and Oscar Robertson in history going 25 and five year rookie year. Um, Steph went 18, four and six, but also as a rookie was dropping 45% from three. You know what I mean? Just, and played 80 games. I mean, just, just an, an, like they would have seen immediately, you know, what the Warriors saw, which is that, oh, this guy's something special. And then you remember Steph had those ankle injuries, which made everybody nervous. I mean, who's to say those ankle injuries don't happen in New York? And the next thing you know, the fans are like, hey, get the fuck out of here with your ankle. Maron. Because his kind of early <laughs> because his kind of early career uh ankle concerns are part of his story and part of his legend now. Uh, I had forgotten that it's really just one season he's really affected. 
I thought that it was a couple of years that he played substantially less than half a year. But it's really just in his third year. In his third year, he plays like 20-something games. Every other year, he played 70-plus or 75-plus. Mm -hmm. So it really, that you know, his whole uh, uh, injury history, it was actually shorter than I had remembered it or shorter than it's kind of made out to be now. I agree with you about Gallinari. Uh Re really good player, a really versatile offensive player. I feel like every time Gallo was about to break out into a legitimate all-star forward, he suffered a bad injury that set him back. It happened a couple of times mm -hmm. in his career. I think once with the Nugs and once with the Clippers. Maybe he even got injured in New York early on, you know? But it, he kind of, he, he kept getting derailed. Uh, but I agree with, I mean... The thing is, this isn't so much a comment on Curry, but the East at that time, it, it's LeBronville, and especially it's Miami LeBron, which I think plays a huge role in the Knicks pushing and pushing until they got Anthony, because... You know, when you're looking at James and Wade and Bosch, which wasn't just a concept, it really was. I mean, they went to the fi finals all four years. Yeah, amazing. And only one half of them. Uh, <laughs> but I only should have won one of them. But, uh, but you know, even I, I like, as you're describing uh a, a Knicks team with Curry and without Anthony. I'm liking the concept of that, but then I'm saying, oh, that team doesn't beat the Heat. Mm. That team does not beat the Heat. And okay, now if you're okay, so Curry really, even in Golden State, uh, with the team being built around him, uh, Curry doesn't make the finals until 2015, which is the first year that James is back in Cleveland. And they play each other the first of four consecutive finals meetings. Uh, but again, even that Cavs team is, it's his version of the Heat, but in Cleveland. It's, it, it's LeBron, Irving, and Love. So looking at even an MVP caliber Curry, I don't know that Curry... Stoudemire and by 2015 Stoudemire was already broken mm -hmm. so I don't know that he would have been a featured player by the time Curry was ready to grow into leading a team to the finals uh I don't doubt that Curry is is with the Knicks is one of the best players in the league by his fourth or fifth season which he turned out to be but again I don't know that Curry Gallinari uh, Chandler, and then whoever else you're you're putting in there, even a couple of better players. I don't know that that supplants Cleveland as as the best team in the uh, in the East. The true butterfly is if you is what happens in the West, mm. because Golden State. I mean, they, you know. Uh, they were running shit for a long, long time. 
uh, with Curry as the featured player. If you don't have Curry on that team, uh, then Golden State is not is not who they become. Durant probably doesn't go there because they're not that they're not that destination that he's looking to bolt to. So really, it's what happens in the West. You know, is it Oklahoma City? Are they able to pull it together in that time before, uh, I guess Harden's gone already, but while it's still Durant and Westbrook? Or is it a continuation of the Spurs? To Pop and the Spurs get a couple of more rings because during those first couple of years uh, of the Warrior, what winds up being the Warriors dynasty, San Antonio is right there with them. Uh at the top of the Western Conference. And remember, I, I think it's that first year, I think maybe the second, when uh, Kawhi is undercut in a possibly dirty play by uh, Jaja Pachulia, taking him out of the series mm. and effectively taking San Antonio out of really being able to contend with the Warriors. So again, it's kind of uh, both conferences get completely altered by yeah. Curry not going to Golden State, and especially if he goes to the Knicks. Everything changes. Nothing's the same. The more I think about it, the more I think that Madison Square Garden becomes an exciting place, the likes of which it had not been since the days Yes, I am skipping over the 90s. Walt Frazier, Willis Reed. I think people showing up to see Curry play the beautiful game is something that happens. I think the Knicks compete for championships after LeBron leaves and goes to Cleveland. After he leaves Miami, the Knicks are then competing for championships. And I think the Knicks, gosh, are they smart enough to get a credible GM? That's another question too. Like, are they still trying to hire Phil Jackson to do this job? I I would love you to elaborate just a little more because really what you're saying is just by virtue of having Curry, they're competing for championships. Yes. And, and, and obviously over that time, and as he grows into an MVP caliber performer, they're presumably upgrading from who he's coming in with that's the presumption all and i'm but but don't you know the more then i think about it and i hear the other voices that dolan is so awful he'll hand the keys to the castle to anybody larry brown phil jackson and they just isaiah so many times isaiah with this idea that they'll they'll be something special or do something different is curry such a magnet such a pull of attraction that he even pulls the crazy away from Jim, Jim Dolan. I don't know. This is, I I go back and forth in my head because I do, because so much of hoops is about situations like where you're drafted and, and who you're around coaches, management. It's so situational. Like think about players who we knew had the talent to be amazing, but were in, terrible situations and that's all there was to it you know it was like bam that's it 
you know, Jimmer Fredette will never be the player he could have been. <laughs> Sorry. I did, I did see him play up close once. He, he thought he was still Still might. Still might. Uh, He's still scoring 89 a game for the Shanghai Dragons. Well, it Curry, Curry's track record winds up being that he is a magnet. I mean, the you know, <laughs> look at Kevin Durant. Right. Joining Curry, but that also is not a situation uh, that uh, is easily transferable necessarily because A, the Warriors were already a championship squad without him, mm-hmm. which was what was disappointing to so disappointing you know, to, to, to true hoops fans and anybody with self respect. Uh, you know, the fact that Durant wasn't looking to join a squad contending, they were already there. They had already beaten him and he joined them. The one thing that, you know, I remember at the time, the one thing that I defended Durant about was it is perfectly understandable and eminently justifiable to want to leave Oklahoma City for the Bay Area. Yes. No question about it. I've Oklahoma uh, yeah. City is effectively an outdoor airport. It's like walking around some, like Atlanta's international airport, except you can see the sky. It's pretty awful. It, it is not a professional town or a professional state, in no. my opinion. It, it, it you agreed. Know. But uh, it's like like Texas's bowel movement. You know, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is uh. <clears throat> you know, Knicks fans for so long, it was so frustrating that the Knicks were New York City mm-hmm. and the Knicks are Madison Square Garden and nobody cared or nobody mm-hmm. that could have. It didn't seem, I mean, that just wasn't enough for so long. Mello wanted to come and then that wound up being uh, being a real letdown for all involved. So... Uh, right. Is it does. You know, we talked about this the other day. Uh, and I thought it was an interesting conversation about the mystique of the garden, about how we should be in an NBA where players are lining up to, to go to New York because they want to be in the big city and they want to play at the garden. But in the last generation, it's like not only do people not want to go to New York, but when they want to go to the garden, it's to set the scoring record. It's to people, you think of people like Steph, for example, or people even like James Harden, who had epic games like 50 points and 12 assists, you know, games that are really unbelievable. And they like going to the garden to, you know, embarrass the the Knicks and uh, be like, yeah, we run this town tonight, you know, Q. Uh, Rihanna, but <laughs> no, that, that, I mean, so you know I, what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I, so like, I, I absolutely least... do. No, I mean, I, Madison square garden really is, is a concept. Madison square garden is a concept. And as you were just saying, I think rightfully players want to come in, you know, and stick it up the ass of New Yorkers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, while they're there, but young players in the league, or even players, you know, in their mid-20s, they have not 
witnessed a big game or big series in Madison Square Garden in their lifetime. Unbelievable. Nothing important in pro basketball in their lifetime has happened in Madison Square Garden or in New York City. That is a tragic reality. But but that is the reality. So, uh, and New York has not had a player who has, by virtue of them being there, has been enticing enough for other stars to want to come. Curry, absolutely. If anybody would have been that player, it would have been Curry. One thing that is a very interesting footnote, and I think that ultimately it's not larger than a footnote, but when you were talking about excitement, excitement at the garden, potentially excitement at the garden that had not been seen in decades, there, the year after Carmelo arrives, so in the 2012 season, there is a fleeting burst of incredible excitement coming out of Madison Square Garden that, mm. again, doesn't last beyond a couple of months. But if Steph Curry is the point guard for the Knicks, there is almost certainly no insanity. Mm. That is Which, true. Again, League historically is an asterisk. Yeah. But, you know, if, you know, and now, you know, it's over 10 years old, but like Jeremy Lin's short run on the Knicks was crazy at the time. Well, if anything, it gives us a window of how fun MSG can be and how cool it is when the basketball world has its eyes on New York. And I'm not just saying that as someone raised in the city. I'm saying it as somebody who thinks that basketball is at its best when it's thriving in New York City. I just do. The city game. Pete Axthelm. Hashtag last shot Darcy Fry. Just naming New York basketball books. Um, but I, I really believe that. And I think that what Lynn Sanity showed was that a charismatic guard with a flair for the moment and the ability to pile on points and a charisma that connects with a crowd can do very well in this town. And all we got was a drop of water in the desert. Now imagine Linsanity times a 15-year career. And a much better player. Oh, a profoundly better player. Yes. Yes. Uh, but just can, can like that, that to me is what, Lin, what makes Linsanity important to this conversation is because it shows us sort of how good it could have been if the Warriors had only drafted Gordon Hill, leaving Steph for the Knicks. And yes, we are assuming that the Knicks draft Steph and not uh, Vitali Potopenko. <laughs> Which, no, and and Dolan might have done. And that's the thing. And I, there's always, you know, you you were you were talking about how 
the league is better. Pro basketball is better. Life is better, really, when the Knicks are a factor in the NBA and when New York is an important basketball city, like the important basketball city uh, uh, that we grew up in. Mm -hmm. I never thought that it wouldn't be that. Mm -hmm. So, and and it hasn't been that for such a long time. Uh, As we've been saying, if Curry is obviously the player, I mean, you know, uh, you know, the, the heartbreak of being one pick off, one pick off. Uh, and, and, and and having the good sense uh, to, to draft him, of course. But it's and, and this, of course, is I mean, it, it's it's been, you know, long discussed for a long time, of course, because it, it's so obvious. But do the Knicks have to shed themselves of Dolan before they can truly become, mm. become a factor? And they have a nice little team now mm-hmm. that's winning a little bit more than they're losing, which which for you know, which for the Knicks is is fast. Yeah. But you know, is is Dolan just too much of an anchor? Well, for this team to truly be uh, the franchise that uh, that they should be. And I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with he is in that small category of the Snyders and the Sterlings who are a fetter on the potential of their franchise. Someone like Jerry Jones is kind of an interesting story with the Cowboys because he's actually a good drafter but the team hasn't done anything in 30 years with Jerry in charge. That's not a great track record. And sometimes as Bill Parcells said, you are what your record is. So if you are what your record is, then James Dolan is a steaming pile of trash and Steph Curry is a bottle of fine champagne. Now, if champagne and trash are on a collision course, what usually happens? a broken bottle of champagne. That's the risk. But what also could happen is you wade through the trash to have a nice drink of bubbly. Maybe that could have happened also. We can only hope. Damn. We can only dream. Yeah. We can only dream of a future of New York basketball that's relevant and that matters. And you want to hear something that I think is controversial? Let's just end with this here, man. I think Jalen Brunson might be good enough to beat back the Dolan Ghosts and be a centerpiece on a team that at the very least is a threat to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Wow. Not this year. But they have Brunson on quite a few years. I'm not sure Randall's the best fit with him, but that you load up around Brunson I have believed in that kid since Villanova did not understand why he wasn't getting more run on the Mavs did not understand why the Mavs didn't sign him for a cheap contract and have just been thrilled that of all places he could land, he lands with the Knicks. So I'm a believer, man. I'm a total believer. He's been incredible ever since he arrived on the Knicks. Yeah. And I did not, I thought he was a nice guard. But I have not been uh, a believer as Jalen uh, Brunson as uh, 
a real factor as a winning lead guard in this league. And he absolutely is. So that's just yet another instance where I've been wrong. I thought he was a nice player on Dallas who worked well with Doncic. So Mm -hmm. it absolutely was a mistake for them to let him go when he was uh, readily extendable uh, for them. But no, no, he's, he's, he's one of the best guards in the East Mm -hmm. and has been since he arrived in New York. And I didn't see that in him. So, uh, so in in he, your defense he's the best player the Knicks have had for for a little bit for eons you're also right as very much as you're wrong you Thank bought you. you bought early on Dennis Rodman I'll never forget that yes well I was <laughs> that's a like, long time to be resting on those laurels but... <laughs> Thank, I was like you was... for bringing that up again no, because I, I was much, you were a worm guy and I was much more of a spider guy. I was a John Sally guy. I was like, why is Rodman taking Sally's minutes? And Rodman was the better player. That's been yeah. proven in practice. I held on for a long time, but. The better player and sadly the better person. So, <laughs> Which took some effort. <laughs> no, the, the, the Rodman story is uh, a fascinating one. I'm surprised he hasn't emerged on the, on the scene saying he's going to meet with uh, Netanyahu or something and argue for a ceasefire. But he's, he, he's working under the radar this time to get. Things yeah, done. <laughs> he's on it. He's on the case. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of uh, butterfly basketball or basketball butterfly effect. What if Steph Curry had ended up on the New York Knicks? We're always interested in what you think about that. So do hit us up. Uh, if you have your own thoughts about this, you can hit me up at sports at Gmail if you like. And uh, Shiraz, thanks so much for joining me again for this ongoing series. The pleasure is mine, Padre. Absolutely. Hey, real quick. If you could have one of two rookies, Larry Johnson or Billy Owens, and you're starting a team, who do you pick? Johnson. Okay. If you're, I mean, if if you're looking for them to play a featured, a featured role, you know, I'm not uh, asking I, with benefit of hindsight. I'm asking coming out of school. Just oh, got I don't tougher, know. Didn't it? Just I don't got know. tougher, that, didn't that it? That was really good. That was the, they were the same year too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, I I I I love Vegas and Syracuse, so I love those players and those squads. But I'm, you know, I'm. Uh, ultimately all orange. So at the time, I thought uh, Owens would be better than Johnson, and I thought he'd be better than Kenny Anderson, too. Damn. Uh, and he wasn't a better pro than either of them. But probably at the, time, at the time, I would have wanted to to build around Billy, and uh, so I probably wouldn't have lasted long in as a GM there. I bet Billy was just too busy living his best life. Not I everybody's really goal is to be like Larry Johnson and play 10 years with a broken back. Some people just don't want to live that. Dave, all I want is for Billy Owens to be happy. Me too. Hey, real quick. Did you hear about the grandpa who overdosed on Viagra? If I did, I forgot. Tell me again. Really hard on grandma. Okay. (laughs) Well. Yeah, that's where we're at in this stage in our lives, unfortunately. (laughs) Or fortunately. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.